Welcome back to Over the Top, a Great War podcast. All right, folks, I said I was going to have interviews coming up and I have another one for you. On this episode, I'll be interviewing the author of the book Between the Lines, Nadine Amoros. Actually, the interview will be with Nadine's daughter, Sophie, and her husband, Jean-Paul. Nadine wasn't comfortable with her English, and I don't know French, so this worked out fantastic. The book is about Nadine's grandfather, Charles, who was forced into the war by the Germans. Charles was living in Alsace-Lorraine region during the war, and since this was annexed by Germany in 1871, the citizens of that region were forced into the war on the side of the Germans, of course. Charles entered service in 1917 and survived the famous German Spring Offensive, or better known as the Kaiserschlaut, the Kaiser's Battle. Some also call it the Ludendorff Offensive. This was Germany's sort of last-ditch effort to win the war by unleashing multiple offensives along the Western Front. This was a desperate time for the Imperial Army. The Americans were on the ground now fighting. The death toll by now was in the millions. During this interview, you'll hear Sophie mention her great-grandfather at Bellawood. This is where the U.S. Marines experienced some of the bloodiest fighting against the Germans. It often resulted in hand-to-hand and even bayonet fighting. Bella Wood was another hell on earth. It's really a miracle that a young man Charles Age made it through. And we're all grateful he did and decided to write his memoirs on paper. But this book isn't just about war. It's also a story of two souls meeting in terrible times. Sometimes during the worst of times, people will often come upon something good. During Charles' service in the war, he meets a young lady named Isabel. A connection was formed but the war had other plans. Many years later, Charles decided to write his memoirs on paper, which were collected by his granddaughter. A lot of the great war book recommendations I get are through social media. I see something that catches my attention and I go out and get it. This is the case with Between the Lines. I saw Nadine post the book and I told myself, I gotta read this. I then purchased the book. I reached out to the family and requested an interview which they kindly accepted. The book arrived on a late Friday afternoon and I read it to the weekend and I absolutely enjoyed it. Nadine, with the help of her husband, John Paul, collectively pieced the memoirs together and published Between the Lines in 2020. The book is translated in English through their daughter, Sophie, who did a fantastic job. And here is the interview with Sophie, Nadine, and Jean Paul. Greetings, Nadine, Sophie, and John Paul. Thank you for coming on to do this interview. What a pleasure this is. This is the book. Nadine is the author of Between the Lines, and it's about Nadine's grandfather, Charles, who was drafted into the war with Germany in 1917, survived so much, and I will let them talk about it. This book is amazing. What ignited the fire to write this book? Well, well, thank you, first of all, for having us on the podcast and for enjoying this book so much. We, we're very proud of uh, the journey that uh, this book has taken us on. But uh, the project started um, initially in 2018 when my parents uh, decided to, to try to publish the book. But as we mentioned in the book, uh, it was many decades in the making because uh, Charles' writings were lost and found a couple of times throughout the years. 
Um, initially, when my mom was a little girl, she knew that uh, her grandfather Charles was writing her his memoir on on his typewriter, um, but she she never really got to to read the pages. He never really told anybody about his experience in the war. And by the end of his life, before he he died in 1977, he he became ill. He he started being confused about uh, at the time he was in. He he started losing his memory and he was um, kind of haunted by the idea that the German Imperial Army was going to invade France again. So he started throwing away a lot of the, the objects he had uh, in his house that were linked to to the war. So he, he threw away a lot of uh, books, a lot of pictures that he had, and he threw away he, his own memoir. But my mom and her sister actually found it in the trash that they, so they rescued the pages and uh, <laughs> they put them away in another part of the house. Um, but then the next time that my mom actually found the pages was many years later, around 1993, when she found them in a drawer at uh, her mom's house, that is Colette, uh, Charles' daughter. And so by 2018, she had been keeping the pages of Charles' writings for about 20 years, and she always had in the back of her mind the idea of, uh, you know, putting these pages into an actual printed book, but it was mostly an idea to to give something to the family and for the new generation to be able to to remember and to know about Charles' story. But then by 2018, you know, it was the anniversary of the 100 years since um, the end of World War One, And there, was a, there were a lot of testimonies, a lot of memorial events. And uh, my parents felt like there wasn't there wasn't really a voice given to the soldiers like Charles and their experience as Malrenou in the First World War, where you know it was 380,000 men who had to fight inside the German army, but they lived in the former French territories that were annexed by Germany uh, in 1870. So with that in mind and also the fact that um, my grandmother had died recently and so my mom felt like it was a way of honoring Charles and her mother to try to to get this work done. So they started the, the project in 2018. So they they started editing the book and uh, putting it together, uh, trying to find a structure because there wasn't any chapters initially in the book. And they did a lot of fact checking as well to try and, and check that everything that was in the book was, was uh, you know, actual historical events. And so that took them about a year. And in February 2019, uh, they public, published the, the first version of the book. And then there was a lot of work still to do to try and find out more about Isabel. And then we, we did the English version of the book as well. Oh, I can only imagine the work be, that, that, that all of you did. It's so amazing you saved all that letters. And, and that's a true thing that you said. A lot of soldiers, they came back after the war during that time, and they just chose not to talk about it. I mean... This is a very horrific time in human history, and I think the the I don't want to say easiest thing to do, but it is easy is just to just kind of lock it up in a closet, forget about it, and not talk about it. And it's amazing he even started to write about it, and, the, and that you you retrieve those letters, and that's that's amazing you did that, and that's what helps preserve history. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about um, well, your great grandfather, your grandfather? What was he like? 
Yeah, so my, my mom remembers him as a, obviously I, I never met him, he, he died in 1977, but my mom, she, she, he died when she was 12 and she, she had a, a special bond with him because they, they lived uh, with her sister and her mother, she lived with her grandparents uh, in their house during their childhood. But she, she remembers him as a, a very warm man. He was a family man. He was the, the patriarch of the family. He loved spending time with his children and his grandchildren. He loved celebrating Christmases and celebrating birthdays all together. He, he loved singing. Um, and for most of his life, he owned a, a bakery. He was a baker. Uh, so first, he, he had a bakery in the city of Metz. Uh, right after the war, he, he opened the bakery with his sister, uh, who was actually, she, she lost her husband uh, during the war. Uh, her husband was actually a Frenchman. He, he fought on the French side. And uh, so after the war, they opened the bakery together. Um, and then later on, he got married uh, around 1935. He had three children, uh, one of them being my, my mom's mother. And uh, then he opened a, a new bakery of his own uh, in Longueville-les-Messes, near Metz. Uh, where he lived for for the rest of his life, but as I mentioned, my my mother and her sister they they lived with their grandparents uh, in in this house in Montpellier, and so he was a, a very big figure in her life in her in her childhood. He died when she was twelve, and um, yeah, he was a really important figure. There's a there's a chapter in the book about a memory that she has uh, during Christmas, how he was a kind of a protector when she was a scared little girl. Um, yes. But as far as talking about the war, he never he never really did. Whether it was with his children or or his grandchildren, he was very private about that part of his life. Even though he started writing his memoirs later on in his life, but he never made anybody read the the pages that he wrote. So the only yeah the the only way we had to really know about him was through reading uh, those pages. I understand? Yeah, he sounds like an amazing guy. And again, this, when Charles was in the in the military during this time for the book, he went in in 1917 through 18. And that was a very, well, the whole war was difficult for everybody. Don't let me take anything away from that. But that particular time, things were getting really bad. The Americans were coming in. The German spring offensive was coming on. And it's really, truly amazing. Charles actually made it through there. Yeah. And I mean, you, so I can understand again why a lot of them just chose not to talk about it. <clears throat> now, Metz is that in the Alsace-Lorraine area? Yes, it's in it's in Lorraine. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because most Alsace-Lorraine soldiers were forced in, into service with Germany, as Charles was. Um, what was Charles' relationship with Germany after the war? Um, he he didn't keep any strong bonds with Germany after the war, because even during the annexation before the war, uh, his family still kept very strong bonds with with France. And that's something he talks about in his book, uh, in his conversation with the professor, um, about the fact that uh, in his villages, there was still a lot of um, uh, communication between the, the villages of the annexed territories and the villages that were still uh, in the French territories. Uh, they celebrated uh, the 14th of July together. He, he mentions that in the book, and um, 14th of July being the, the French uh, national uh, day. So they they were they still as far as friend, uh, as far as Charles' family they still felt very attached to friends. He, as I mentioned, his his sister married a, a Frenchman. So after the war, when the when Alsace Lorraine uh, became French territories again, 
I think he he felt like uh, Germany wasn't ever really his home country, but he never had never felt any resentment towards the country either. I think that's something that's quite clear uh, in his writings about the fact that he doesn't consider Germans to be his enemy or he, he doesn't have really any resentment towards them. It's mostly resentment towards the war and the, the government and the situation that has put him there. But um, he, I think he was mostly a pacifist. Absolutely. Yes. And I think a lot of people were when they, you know, coming out of the war, a lot of veterans. Again, this war wasn't started between the people. This war was a, was started between the aristocrats. And, uh, you know, basically it's aristocrats behaving badly, not being able to, to get along. And it, unfortunately, the people are the ones who have to pay for that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you mentioned earlier in this interview, Charles was afraid of, you know, imperial Germany, um, you know, building up again. What was his relationship coming into World War II? Did, you, did he did he mention anything about that when, when um, sort of that time period and that when they came along? Yeah, well, Charles was in when he was in his forties when World War II started, so he was mobilized uh, for war initially. But since he had children and since he was a baker, he was uh, considered an, an essential worker for the life of the city. So he was actually sent back to 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 do his his job as a baker and to ensure that uh, the city has uh, food. Um, so. We know that he kept uh, he kept doing his job during during that time. Obviously, between 1940 and 1945, Metz was occupied by the Germans, and so we know from my mother, who remembers stories from her own mother and her uncles, that at the time Charles and his wife German actually hid Jewish people in their cellar. Um, before they could escape the city. And we know also stories about how he used to hide uh, uh, loaves of bread in the snow very early in the morning uh, so that people oh, could wow. find them and uh, bring them back home because, you know, bread was rationed at the time. So a yes. lot of people didn't have you know, food uh, to put on the table for their family. So we know some of those stories, but obviously Charles, that wasn't something that Charles himself talked about. Um, he was he was very private about um, that side of him. So that's uh, the memories that his children have passed along to us. I understand. That's almost a story in itself. Yeah. The special friendship between Charles and Isabel. This is what the story is about. And it's a classic tale of what war can take away from us. On the other hand, it, it was the war that brought them to meet each other. Was 1918 the last time Charles ever seen Isabel? So there was a lot of mystery that remained about Isabel and Charles' uh, story uh, after the end of the book. Initially, as far as we knew, that was the last time that they saw each other. But then once the first version of the book was published, my parents took it as a sort of a challenge to try and find out more about her and to find out what happened to her after the war. So... So they did through the archives of the city of Lyon. They connected with people that uh, did uh, genealogy work. And so they managed to track down quite a lot of official documents. They found birth certificates for her nephews. They found her marriage certificates and a few other official documents. Uh, and actually, in the end, they managed to find a descendant, uh, Isabel's uh, nephew, through Isabel's brother. Um, so his name is Gilbert, and he's now 93 years old. Uh, and wow. so my parents met him and his wife. Um, and so Gilbert was able to fill some of the blanks about Isabel's life. 
But what's interesting is that he himself didn't actually know about that part of Isabel's life. He didn't know about her life during the war. He didn't know that she used to live in Nantes. So that was interesting during that meeting that uh, everybody got to learn about Isabel. Um, but um, we, we now know through him that um, she got remarried after the war. Uh, and uh, we, we know a little bit more about her story now. So from reading the book, um, and as most people were back then, a lot of civilians, they were forced away from their home. They became refugees of other towns that they felt were hmm. sort of safer than the ones they were just forced from. Um, and that's how Charles and Isabel met, correct? She was she yeah. fled from her own hometown into, into another one. Yeah, once the war started, they were she was uh, she was stuck in law with because she had family there. She had the, her uncle, the professor who lived there. Um, the war and the Spanish flu brought brought tragedy to many families. Isabel sounds to have also a lot of those. Her first husband to the war and nephews she lost to the well she lost her husband to the war and nephews to the pandemic. Um, were you guys able to find out what, what kind of life did she live after the war? Did she live a good life? Well, we know that uh, after her first husband uh, who died in the war and after he was officially declared dead after the war that she left Long and that she remarried with uh, an, appre an apprentice who worked in her brother's butcher shop. Uh, so she lived in Reims, in Reims uh, for the rest of her life. Um, she never had children uh, and she, she lost her second husband in 1952. And she herself lived until 1979. So she, she had quite a long life. And according to her nephew, she was a very strong-willed woman uh, who could take care of herself. And, and she lived a good life. And, um, and we believe that later on in, the, in life, probably after her second husband died, that Charles and Isabel got back in touch and that they, uh, they spent uh, quite a, a long time exchanging letters. So we think they reflected them. Oh, wow. Yeah, after after a few years, yeah. Oh, wow. Have you and your family visited any of the World War battle locations Charles was at? Um, we don't think that Charles ever went back to any of the war sites. We know through, uh, through my mom's mother that he told her uh, that after the war he had gone back to Long, but that he didn't find anyone that he knew there. So we think it was probably a way for him to to close this chapter of his life because after the war, his immediate priority was providing for his family. As I said, uh, his his uh, sister was a widow, so she he had to, to provide for her and they had to open this bakery together. Um, but we know that later on in his life, he was a, a volunteer for the Souvenir Français, which is a French organization that supports veterans. Um, and as for ourselves, uh, during the process of writing the book, uh, my parents visited Long a couple of times, so they were able to to visit all those uh, sites that um, uh, Charles mentions in his in his book, the cathedral and all the the streets of the of the city. And um, in August uh, 2019, they they also donated the the proceeds of the book sales uh, to the Souvenir Français, the, the same organization that Charles supported. Um, and we haven't been able to visit uh, yet the, the Belo Wood, uh, you know, because Charles um, took part in the Battle uh, of Belo Wood in June 1918. But we, we plan to, to do that once the, the pandemic actually allows us to, 
to move around a bit more freely. Um, but yes. actually, my, my parents have exchanged with local guys um, and they confirmed that they, they confirmed the existence of the cave, which was used an, as an infirmary uh, during the Battle of Bellwood. And that Charles mentions as uh, his, his regiment being stationed there during the, the Battle of Bellwood. So that's, that's actually another interesting uh, fact checking that we've been able to do. There's um a f- well quite a few um, American memorials around that area, especially Bellawood. That's yeah. where a lot of the Marines yeah. did the fighting. Um, so he probably did fight between the Americans. Was there any anim- animosity there? Or just again, I, I understand his feelings of how he was forced into the German mm-hmm. military, and he sounds like such an amazing person. I, I and became a pacifist. I I, I imagine he. There was no hard feelings, but did he ever talk? Maybe that's a better question. Did he ever talk about the Americans there? Non, il a, est-ce qu'il a déjà, il avait parlé des Américains, euh, grand-père euh, Après, non, pendant la bataille de Bellou. Non, non, il, euh, si, 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 il dit qu'ils se battent à l'arme blanche. Oui, il a dit mentionné qu'il parlait de la bataille, sur le fait que la bataille était à un point de point, qu'il était en fait une bataille très cruelle, parce que c'était très physique, et c'était fait à main, avec seulement votre arme pour défendre vous. Mais je ne pense pas, par rapport à ses sentiments envers les Américains, je ne pense pas qu'il avait des sentiments, parce que je pense qu'il a senti la même façon sur eux que il pouvait sentir sur les soldats français ou les soldats allemands. Ils étaient tous mis dans une guerre qui n'était pas leurs, et ils avaient tous fait des choses pour survivre, mais je pense que c'est ce qui really beautiful about his book is that there's several parts of the book where he talks about the war where he there's one there's one chapter in particular where he is face to face with a french soldier and all the other soldiers of his regiment are asleep and he's faced with this dilemma of whether he wants to be the 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 one who who starts shooting at uh, at the enemy because the, the the other soldier is is frozen in when he when he's seeing him and i think I think he had a lot of humanity in him and he was he was as I said a pacifist and he he hated the war but he he didn't have uh, you know any hate in his heart for all the other soldiers and I think that's why he he wrote the book because he wanted to to share the the experience of the soldiers like him who who didn't have a choice but to to fight in this war but were in the end, he, he only wanted to, to come home to his family. And um, I think that's beautiful that he got to he got to build his family uh, after the war. And that uh, we're still here in 2021 uh, talking about, about him. Absolutely. Charles sounds like such an amazing and kind soul. It, it is such a great book. Um, one last question pertaining to World War One. Before your your gra- great grandfather's story and your grandfather's, was there much interest in World War One, or basically all the history just kind of came from from Charles? Well, I think we're fairly interested in in the history, and that World War One is a uh, is something that is taught in school, and that. Uh, we we learn about as uh, as children and later on you know there's a my parents have lived there there before moving to to Paris they they lived uh, their teen years and uh, until their early adultures in 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 Lorraine so we know about this history but obviously uh, not from this personal angle and uh, uh, you know you about when you learn about World War One you learn about the trenches and the horrible condition those soldiers were in but 
what's also interesting about this story uh, and about Charles' book is that it's it's a story about the the fights and the trenches, but it's also a story about what happened between the battles and uh, how you uh, you had a, a young man who who found love in between the battles and who really who really had a, a tender heart and who only wanted to to be able to to see his family and to see Isabel again after the war. Absolutely, that makes me happy to hear you say that. That you know, it's they they make you guys learn about the the war while you're going to school. Here in America, they don't they don't really talk about it, and I f- always feel it's a shame. I mean, and that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast. I feel this should never be forgotten, as it somewhat is in, in American history. Yeah. Uh, I mean this this war reshaped the, our world as we know it. You know, long came the Industrial Revolution, which changed the war, the way wars would be fought, and I mean, this just uprooted the whole world, kind of shook it up and things changed so much and it destroyed so many lives. And again, I'm I think it's amazing that Charles made it through it. There's a great story to this. And I'm very, very grateful that you kept his letters and you you wrote this book. Well, thank you. Thank you for saying all of that. Uh, I think it's it's beautiful that uh, you're doing this podcast and that you're trying to you know, to keep all of this history alive. And it's true that there's so much, there's so much we don't know about World War One, even as, as French people. Um, as we mentioned, the, the actually the, the history of the Malgré Nous, of the World War One, isn't actually taught a lot in school. We, we learn about the French versus the, the Germans, but all these men and women and children that were caught in between um that's something that isn't necessarily taught outside of Alsace and Lorraine. And even in Alsace and Lorraine, there is you know, there's a complex identity there because uh, some of them were in the French side, some of them were in the German side. And after uh, Alsace and Lorraine um, went back to being French territories, there was still um, some hostility. Um, and there was a sense that are they loyal to France? Are they loyal to Germany? Um, they they were never German citizens in the eyes of Germany. But then once they went back to being French, um, there was this idea that uh, they they weren't true French people. So there's a lot we don't know about um, the history of the soldiers like Charles. And there's actually a, a beautiful monument in, in Strasbourg, which is a, a town in um, Alsace, uh, which was built in 1936, and it's um, a monument to the dead of the World War One, and it's the mother holding her two sons in her in her arms, or her two dying sons, and one uh, one was a soldier in the German side, and one was a soldier who fought on the French side, and this monument was built to to honor the, all those families that were split apart during this this war. During, by this border that was erected when Germany uh, annexed those territories. Wow, that's amazing. I definitely have to make it to, to Strasbourg. Yeah. I, I would yeah. definitely love to see that. Yeah, it's a, it's a historical town. There's a lot of... Um, yeah, there's a lot of traces of uh, and monuments of, of that time, and in Metz as well. Uh, uh, they are a beautiful historical town. I think uh, as a as a fan of learning about the history of World War One, you you enjoy you enjoy your stay in those cities if you ever get to to come here. 
Absolutely. I just love France in general. Paris is my favorite city and, and getting out and, and seeing all the war memorials. Uh, yeah. that's, well, oh, that's that's my dream. Not my wife so much, but mine. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a, an American cemetery, cemetery right uh, in the city where we live. Uh, it's mostly a Second World War uh, memorial, but there's also a lot of, um, yeah, there's a memorial about for the, 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 the American soldiers who died in France uh, during World War One, it's uh, it's Spain, right where we live, and it's actually a very beautiful place. If you on your trip to to Strasbourg and Metz, if you if you ever come to near Paris, you I think you'll enjoy visiting it. Absolutely, I I for, I for sure will. Well, thank you again for coming on, everybody. Please go get your copy of Between the Lines. It's an amazing book. Um, you can get it on Amazon. I got my my copy in English, so please go out and get it. Sophie, Nadine, Jean-Paul, thank you for coming on to the show. It was a true pleasure speaking to you all. I wish you all the best health and much success with the book. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks. That was Between the Lines interview with Sophie, Nadine, and Jean-Paul. And what a great time it was. All of them were so kind and welcoming to all the questions I had. I really enjoyed it a lot. John Paul even took some of his own time to send me information on a topic I'm hoping to write about in the future. They're just so kind. Thank you, John Paul. I really admire the work the three of them did, and you can hear the passion they all have for this. The story of Charles being thrown into the war, the destruction the war creates, and the story of Isabel. When Sophie spoke of her great-grandfather's experience during the Second World War, I just thought, this could be another book in itself. Another reason why I latched onto this book is because it made me think about my grandfather. He died shortly after my oldest brother was born. He did a whole career in the Navy, the majority of the time as a corpsman. He was a World War II veteran who served in the Pacific, but he never wrote about his stories. I don't know anything about him. I think, I think I'm the only veteran between my cousins. Yeah, I had to think about that. Yeah, I am. I would have loved to have heard those stories. But nothing was ever written down, and nothing was ever passed along. I admire that Nadine and her family had that. Many people don't. It's true. A lot of veterans from both world wars just locked those memories up and didn't really speak about it with family. I'm sure they spoke about it with their veteran pals, but not really with family. It's just what it was. That's what they did. All right, folks. Go out and get your copy of Between the Lines, you're going to love this book. It truly is a good read. It's on Amazon and you can get it in French or English translation. I want to thank Sophie, Nadine, and Jean-Paul for doing this interview. You were so kind and it's very much appreciated. And I hope that one day I can meet you all in person. And I'm going to cheers one for Charles. Cheers. Cheers.